Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. For this opportunity to be in your house this morning, Lord, we at this very moment quiet our hearts. It's been a busy week. And it's time to come into this sanctuary, to find sanctuary to hear you speak. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, as we sing your praises, as we hear what God has laid on Victor's heart, Lord, we pray that you would guide our thoughts. Move us in the direction that you'd have us to be moved. Encourage us, remind us of the love that our mothers have. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture this morning is from Judges chapter 4, verses 4 through 16. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kedesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulon and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I, will not, I won't go. Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you, but because of the way that you are going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, where he summoned Zebulon and Naphtali. Ten thousand men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber and Kenite were left, the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' brother-in-law, and pitched his tent by the great tree in Zanahim near Kadesh. <clears throat> when, they were, when they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoham, had gone to, up to Mount Tabor, Sisera gathered together his 900 iron chariots and all their men with them from Harasheth, Hagoyim, to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go! This is the day that the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all the chariots and the army by the sword. And Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harasheth Haggim, All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a man was left. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning. I was thinking about uh, Pastor Dan when he was reading that uh, uh, passage from... uh, Judges, 
And uh, thinking to myself, I'm glad he was reading that, not me. <laughs> I don't think I could have pronounced all those names. <laughs> I've got the easy part now. <laughs> all I've got to do is talk about Deborah, and I can, I can pronounce that name. <laughs> don't ask me his, her husband's name. I <laughs> don't know about that guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of stories in the Old Testament about uh, great women of faith. And again, Dan was probably wishing I would have picked Ruth and Naomi or somebody, you know, that would have been, that would have been much easier to pronounce. But anyhow, today we picked uh, Deborah. Uh, Deborah is one of the great people of faith in the Old Testament, a very unusual and a unique person because uh, as you look through the Old Testament, I don't know of uh, too many other women who were uh, really in charge like she was. Uh, she was a mother in Israel, and uh, uh, she uh, yet, despite the fact she was a mother, she had time to take care of other things as well. So uh, a really good person for us to pattern our life after, whether we are women, mothers, fathers, children, brothers, sisters, whatever we might be, we can find something in the life of uh, Deborah to help us to better live our own life and make an impact in the world in which we live. And that's what Deborah did. She made an impact on the world in which we live. How did she do that? That's what we want to look at this morning. We see here in this passage that, first of all, we see that Deborah was a prophetess. That means that she was a person who was in touch with God. She had a relationship, first of all, among all of her relationships, she had a relationship, first of all, with God. Now, to be a prophet or a prophetess in this time meant that God spoke to you, and then you had the responsibility to speak to other people. Now, it wasn't like today, you know, we have a Bible and we can all go home and find ourselves a closet someplace and read the Bible. And if we're praying and asking God to lead us, uh, he can speak to us just as we read the Bible. But in those days, of course, they didn't have Bibles to read and not everyone uh, could read even if they would have had a Bible. So it took people like the prophets and the prophetesses to be able to listen very closely, to live close to God in relationship to God, and then to be able to tell the people around them uh, what God had to say to their lives. So she had a relationship, first of all, with God. And then secondly, we know that she was a, uh, a wife, uh, and we uh, talked about the name of her husband, which none of us can really pronounce because it's a Hebrew name and... and uh, to be honest with you, the Hebrew language has been dead for about, uh, about 4,000 years or something like that. And so the Hebrew language they speak now today in Israel, uh, that's, that's a language that they had to actually uh, make up because no one had spoken it. It had been written for many centuries, but it really hadn't been spoken. So people like uh, my wife has an uncle, her, her, his name is uh, Jim Price, is that right? And he's a Greek and a Hebrew scholar. So years ago, I mean, the fellow's probably, what, 90 years old or more. And so years ago, when Israel was just getting started, they got Hebrew scholars together like Jim Price and others, and they decided, now, here's how we're going to make up the Hebrew language. And they had to make up laws and uh, make, it, make up words because uh, not, all the, not all the words of uh, today's uh, uh, use, you know, there wasn't any word uh, for rocket ship or whatever, so they had to come up with all kinds of words and so on and so forth. So anyhow, these people were... Um, were great people of faith who stepped out listening for God's word in a time when God's word was rather sparse uh, among the people. And so they were ready to listen when somebody like Deborah came along who said, I have a word from the Lord. They were re ready to listen uh, to that person. The uh, second thing Deborah was, was she was an excellent leader. And we can see this by the fact that she was 
chosen as a judge of uh, the people. Uh, and it's interesting because in those days, the judges uh, of the land, uh, for one thing, judges weren't what we think of a judge today. We think of a judge, you, you go to the judge and uh, uh, you've been arrested or something or charged with something and the police are involved and, and there were jails and all that stuff and you have to uh, post a bond and all kinds of complicated stuff. But in those days, a judge was a person who uh, was looked up to by the other people and they were esteemed so highly that other people would bring their concerns to those judges and uh, place it uh, before the judge, and it would be kind of like what we would call binding arbitration, I guess, today. And uh, you would go to the judge with every intention that you were going to do what that judge said, no matter what that judge ruled, you were going to follow it. Uh, there weren't uh, policemen around who were going to arrest you and throw you in jail if you didn't do what was right. And so people were really, um, uh, people like judges were really important that kept order in the land. And generally what happened was judges were outside the city gates or set at the city gates. Generally a city gate would be a, a pretty wide place and it would have an opening on either side of the gate. And uh, there's where the elders of the land would sit, uh, generally older fellows, and they would um, take any controversies that had uh, been going on around them and people would present the controversies to them and they'd settle the issue. Now, the fact that people had to go past the city gate where all these other elders were sitting there ready to do the judging, and then where did they go to, according to that passage? They went outside the city gate and they went to, of all places, a palm tree. And under the palm tree, Deborah held court. She was judged there. So you can imagine that the people really had to have an awfully high esteem for that lady to walk past these other guys who were sitting there in the gate ready to listen to their, to their uh, problems and go past them and walk right out there and listen to, uh, to uh, uh, Deborah give the result of whatever the controversy uh, might have been. So she had real wisdom, wisdom that came from the fact that she was a prophetess of God, listening to God and discerning what God's will was in any particular situation that people would present to her. And then she uh, had a, not just a concern for her own uh, family. She was a mother, it says in chapter 5. She was uh, the wife. She had a husband. She had a family. She wasn't just concerned with her own immediate family or even with her own town where she was... Uh, uh, setting up court under the palm tree as a judge, but she was uh, concerned and had a vision for the whole land. And so she uh, heard from the Lord that, uh, that the, their enemies, uh, Sisera was, was the uh, commander of the enemy forces, and that uh, there was a possibility that, uh, that the uh, commander of the Israelite forces could defeat uh, their enemy. And so she sent word to Barak, he was the fellow who was in charge of the uh, nation of Israel's forces. And so she was seeing an overall vision of what uh, God could accomplish if Barak and his army and the people of the land were to listen to what God had for them to do. She shared the leadership uh, with Barak. Barak says, I won't go unless you go with me. <laughs> uh, they were so um, uh, terrified of this uh, enemy fellow, he had 900 chariots, and uh, that would be like uh, today, uh, infantrymen going up against 900 tanks. You know, it wouldn't be a very good uh, uh, outcome, would it? 
And so these guys had chariots and, and, and they were fast and they had horses and, and uh, usually had uh, at least one guy running the chariot and a couple guys in the back of the chariot throwing uh, spears and uh, arrows and all kinds of stuff. So uh, that was a terrifying force that they were up against. And yet uh, uh, Deborah said, go forth because the Lord has uh, given that uh, army into your hands. She learned to share her leadership with others over the period of time that she was a judge, and the land uh, was at peace during that time. And then third, uh, Deborah's mothering instincts were quite clear in this passage. We see that she encouraged not only the leader of the army, Barak, to follow God's command, according to verse 14 that we read this morning, but also she was inspiring to the troops that followed, because Many times as the troops would go out, the prophet, whether it was Samuel or in this case Deborah or which prophet it was, the prophet would address the troops and tell them, God's got things under control. Uh, we've heard a word from the Lord, and the Lord says you're going to conquer your enemies today. And so she was inspiring. Um, she uh, was able to convince those guys that they were going to win that battle even before they'd even begun the fight. There's a lot of those kinds of people in our world that are behind the scenes kind of people, people that encourage and inspire uh, others to do what uh, they should be doing. And I think that's the key to success for many leaders in our world today, whether it's Christian leaders or political leaders. We have to have that vision of more than just our own backyard, a vision that goes beyond the boundaries that we can see that involves uh, perhaps our country or even our world, and encourage and inspire other people to follow what God would have them to do in their life. I remember as a kid, I was uh, 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 best friends with a fellow named Gene Cooper, and his mom and dad lived about a mile away on another farm. And uh, as I've said before, my mom and dad eight, had eight kids, and, and Shiloh and Carl only had four. So I guess they decided that they could adopt one more. So I spent about as much time at their house as I did at my own house. And I would call her my other mother because I was there so much of the time. But anyhow, she was a very encouraging and inspiring person. Everybody in the community, when they uh, would have uh, uh, difficulty, they would uh, be glad to talk to her uh, on the telephone or in person, and they would be inspired and encouraged to do what was right. And so uh, that's the kind of people that we need to be mothers, the kind of people we need to be fathers, the kind of people we need to be Christians in our world, the ones who encourage and inspire others and catch the vision of what God has for them. And then finally, we see here in this passage that Deborah also had a celebration. And in chapter 5, I was trying to be merciful. We didn't have to read chapter 5 because chapter 5 is really, you think chapter 4 was hard to read. Chapter 5 is a Hebrew poem. And uh, it's a poem of celebration is what it is, celebrating the victory that Barak and his forces had over Sisera, the enemy. And so uh, we have here um, many ways in which the Lord's name is praised for uh, delivering uh, his people from their enemies. Celebrations are important uh, whenever we uh, have a uh, good time in our life, then we need to be celebrating. Yesterday, celebrated the, the uh, court of honor, I guess we call it. 
And uh, as I've been to those court of honors over the years when my own kids were in uh, uh, scouts, uh, that was a good time to celebrate something that wasn't just an immediate achievement, but something that took a long period of time. And sometimes we celebrate the immediate things. Oh, isn't it wonderful we have sunshine out today and we celebrate that? Well, that's just an immediate kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, tomorrow it may not be that way. But we need to celebrate things that are long-term, things that people have poured their life into, and uh, emphasize the fact that God's been with them over the long haul. In any particular moment of our life, we may wonder about what's going on, but as we look at our life over the long haul, we can see that many times there's things to celebrate that we might miss if we're just focused on the day-to-day -day events of our life. And so Deborah led this victory celebration after the hard work that had been put into uh, having the victory over their enemy, enemies. Now, it doesn't have to be a, a long celebration poem like chapter 5 has here. It can be something very short. You can celebrate... Uh, at, at times of, uh, when you're doing other things uh, as, and put that into a, a, the focus of celebration. Uh, I can remember uh, when I was a kid, um, we would hang our clothes up on the clothesline. Remember those days when you took clothes and hung them up in the summertime, you'd hang them up outside, and then in the wintertime, because we had a cold furnace, you'd hang them up in the basement because it was plenty warm down there in the basement where the furnace was. But anyhow, as we were hanging up the clothes, my mother would uh, celebrate victories with us of what we were, uh, what, what had gone on, you know, celebrate uh, um, some good grades that we'd got on our report card, maybe, or celebrate uh, something from the past. Uh, I remember her telling me that uh, about coming to uh, this country, she was born here as, uh, as the uh, daughter of uh, two folks who were here on a temporary work visa. And uh, they, were, they were from Finland, and the Finns worked in northern Minnesota and northern Michigan. Uh, in the middle of the winter, you know, 20 below zero, they were out there caught, cutting down trees because the Finns were tough enough. They were used to the cold weather, I guess. And so they hired these guys to come over here and cut the trees down. And my grandmother was the cook for this logging camp. <clears throat> my mother was born here, but shortly after she was born, they had to go back to uh, Finland, where they lived then until she was in in her teenage years. Well, she came to this country, and she didn't know English, and she didn't know what was going on, you know, but she told about how the Lord took care of her, provided for her, despite the fact that her dad turned into a, become an alcoholic, which that didn't help with any, but, but anyhow, all of those ways in which God provided for her over the long haul of her life. And we celebrated that all around the clothesline while we were hanging up the clothes. <laughs> so, you know, you can find different ways in which you can celebrate God's work in your life uh, and share those stories with uh, other people around you that may not know those stories. So the question for us today is how can we help uh, mothers become all of what they need to be and do in our world? From the very uh, first-time mothers that uh, baby's only a few days old, to mothers that have been mothers for uh, decades. <laughs> All of those people are mothers who need our support and our encouragement uh, to become what God wants for them to become. Last Tuesday, we were uh, eating lunch here in the, uh, with the uh, ladies' aid group, I guess you call it, and they had prepared, um, what I wrote it down here, Women's Care Center 
boxes, I guess you'd call it. And uh, Heidi was the lady from the Women's Care Center that came to pick them up. And she was telling us about how they use those boxes. Uh, some boxes are for the mothers, and some boxes are for the babies or the children. And uh, she told how they, their organization helps mothers who need instruction and, and motivation and encouragement and inspiration uh, and even donations to keep their bodies and souls together and, and to raise their little children. And she said just a few minutes of a person's time helps a needy mother and makes all the difference in that needy mother's life and in the life of those needy children. And I was so happy to see how the folks here in the church have got behind that project and made a difference in the lives. Think of all the dozens and dozens of ladies and children whose lives have been touched and will be touched by those uh, lots and lots of boxes that she put into her car. We can think of other ways in which we can encourage uh, mothers and encourage children uh, so that those lives can be pointed in a direction uh, that God would have them to go. And as we go today, that might be a question for you. Look around you and your family. Look around you and your neighborhood or your community. Look around you at work or wherever you come and go and see if there isn't someone there that you can just take a few minutes, like Heidi said. Just takes a few minutes every once in a while to make a difference in somebody's life. But before we can make a difference, before we can be that excellent leader, uh, that uh, person who has a good relationship with the Lord like Deborah, before we can do any of that, we need to know the one who makes those relationships possible, and that one is Jesus. Deborah lived on the other side of Jesus' coming. We live on this side of Jesus' coming, so we know Jesus firsthand. We have an opportunity to accept him and bring him into our life. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, he can direct us and help us so that we can hear a word from the Lord, so we can use the leadership gifts that God has given us and the encouragement and the inspiration that we have to share with other people so we can make a difference in, in people's lives. And if you haven't made that decision to ask Jesus into your heart, this is the time to do it. No better day than today uh, to uh, become part of God's forever family. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, that because you came into this world, you made the world a different place so that mothers don't have to be mothers all by themselves, so that little children that are in need don't have to go and, and be in need because Christian brothers and sisters can step up and make a difference in people's lives. We pray, Lord, that if there are those here today who need to make the decision to follow Jesus so that they can hear your direction and your purpose for their life and then make a difference in the lives of others, may this be the day that they make that decision. And for those of us, Lord, who are your followers, are your disciples, help us, Lord, to be able to be awake and discern and listen for your voice and direction so that we might be about the business of inspiring and encouraging and leading others towards you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Victor.